We have the infrastructure in Southern Africa to enable us to sell a unit of the raw material at a price that's maybe 15 to 20 times higher as opposed to just selling the raw materials. You can imagine if all we did was grow and shrink wrap the product and export it to the States. That forces the entrepreneurs on the business side to collaborate with laboratories and science. So you get your chemistry department at a university, they have their own mandate, and then you have a business school in the University of Legon or Unilag in Lagos or WITS or UCT Stellenbosch, and you put these two together and you get an explosive alchemy that could really unlock uh, a lot of value and develop some patents. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit at New Age PC and watch the whole conversation on YouTube. This is the New Age Cannabis Podcast, a podcast all about cannabis, where we take a fresh look at all things cannabis from an African perspective. Join us and our awesome guests as we talk through the endless capabilities and benefits of the plant. Today I'm speaking with Forest Branch, the director at medical cannabis farmer Aprihelios. Forest is an agribusiness value chain innovator and a finance and investment professional living in Namibia. In this episode, he gives us insight into how cannabis, as an industry, can benefit the African economy. Welcome to the show. Thank you, y'all. It's a pleasure to be here today uh, representing not just Afrohelios, but representing a, a continent that is eager to transform itself from a primary producer to a value-added producer. So thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. So Forrest, the first question we always ask all our guests, what brought you to cannabis? What brought you to the plant? That's an interesting question because when I was a young kid, uh, people from the city would come out to our farm in Monroe County in Carlton and they would plant cannabis in the night. And of course, it doesn't take very long to realize that cannabis is growing on your farm. So my dad would have one of my brothers plow it up. So the little that we knew about cannabis was that it was a bad thing and, and it had to be plowed up. When we plowed it up, it just grew back. So you ended up plowing it up over and over again. I, I am a big supporter of the medicinal application from some of the plant extracts regarding cannabis. I am also a believer uh, that Africa should be at the forefront of that. And I think one of the reasons is if you look at the tobacco industry globally, there's a magazine called Seeking Alpha. It is probably the number one asset management, investment management magazine in the world. And uh, a gentleman wrote a column in recently and said that Southern Africa will be the most efficient region in the world in terms of cost efficiency and probably even quality of cultivation because of the natural environment that, that we're in. And it follows because British American tobacco has operations globally, but their most efficient region for growing tobacco is Southern Africa. It, it's the climate, it's the very, very short winters here. It's a rich climate for agriculture. It's a rich climate for agribusiness. And we also know that some of the tobacco companies have invested up to $2 billion in cannabis research. This means that a lot of the companies in Canada and North America are simply that registered first, that listed on exchanges first, on the TSX, they're simply not going to be able to compete with the competitive advantage that 
that Africa, particularly Southern Africa, has. There's another dimension to this. You could talk about genetics. There's a very interesting YouTube video where some Dutch gentlemen traveled to the Democratic Republic of Congo. I don't know if they ended up somewhere kissing Ghani or the Ebola River, I'm not sure, but there was a legendary strain of genetic of cannabis and um, they basically paid some transporters to take them there. I, I think they took samples of the plant. They might have even taken the root system. They took it back to the lab in, in the Netherlands and I'm told that they synthesized this in the lab. So from an efficiency standpoint, in terms of cost of production, the logistics that we have, any country in the region can grow, but South Africa would probably be the final logistical hub in terms of exports to the ASEAN countries, those that are opening up the European Union, and of course, the North American market. And then secondly, I think it you have to talk, see genetics, natural quality, potency, and you're talking Democratic Republic of Congo, which politically is part of Southern Africa. And then of course, Lesotho, where Afrohelios is licensed to, to cultivate. And Lesotho has its history of uh, cannabis, which goes back more than a thousand years. And they benefit from the elevation. Elevation has a particular effect on flowers. There is a preferred or optimal elevation for growing. They have what they call 365 days of sunshine. So there are some benefits there. They have quite cool winters. It does snow there, but I think we do have an advantage when it comes to propagating or when it comes to cultivating. But I think that would be a mistake if we stop there because we have to look at the entire value chain. And I think that's been the problem with things like timber, oil, everything that so, leaves Africa leaves in primary format. In your perspective, from an agribusiness uh, standpoint, how do you see Africa maximizing its agricultural value chain? Obviously, we've got lots of farms, we've got an extensive agricultural value chain, but how do you see Africa's existing agribusiness value chain benefiting or working with the cannabis industry and the value chain that needs to be created and developed within the cannabis industry for it to be efficient? Okay, so if you think of a if you think of a loaf of bread, think of the loaf of bread fresh baked and unsliced. That would be the entire ecosystem of the cannabis industry. Now you start slicing uh, that loaf of bread. But let's say each slice is not the same width. Some slices are very thick, some slices are very thin, and then of uh, some people don't like the end pieces of the loaf. So there are certain components within certain segments within the value chain that are more profitable. For example, in the diamond industry, the person that brokers the diamonds from the mining company to the cutting and polishing company is in probably the most lucrative position because they don't have to put up much risk for that. It's a brokering position. The person that's cutting and polishing, on the other hand, is getting probably the worst margin. In the cannabis industry, you have to do a value chain analysis to understand what are the most valuable components and the most sustainable components. And which of those components does Africa really have an advantage over? The fact that we're in Southern Africa means that we have the cultivation history of countries like Malawi, Lesotho, Zambia. But it also means we have the industrial capability of transforming and adding 10 to 20 times the value to that raw material using the industrial environment of South Africa, particularly Hauteng, where packaging and bottling and 
pharmaceutical generics from companies like Aspen PharmaCare. Uh, Namibia has something called uh, uh, Fabu Farm. We have the infrastructure in Southern Africa to enable us to sell a unit of the raw material at a price that's maybe 15 to 20 times higher as opposed to just selling the raw materials. You can imagine if all we did was grow and shrink wrap the product and export it to the States. Then once it's separated, once it's separated in terms of value and that sort of thing, once it's extracted, once it's bottled, once it's packaged, once it's branded, that value increases 10 to 20 times. So as Africans entering this market, we've lost the oil market because we still export crude. So that's primary. We are still exporting timber from Central Africa region into Europe and to Asia. Today it's China. But today we have a brand new opportunity to take this product and to ensure that when it leaves the airport in Johannesburg, when it leaves that airport destined from New York, destined for Atlanta, for London, for Paris, for Frankfurt, that it's leaving in a, it might be a, a 30 milliliter, 60 milliliter, 150 milliliter bottle of CBD oil. It might be a shrink wrapped uh, 50 gram, 20 gram plastic packaging or natural packaging already branded to the point where we can even take the customer's logo. And when that product reaches major urban cities in the world, that the only thing that the client can do is put a price tag on it. I think that's one of the reasons that we have this platform here, the podcast, is to educate and help people understand that when you talk about cannabis, you're not talking about a bunch of people sitting in a room getting high and doing nothing with their lives. You're talking about a plant that has such a wide myriad of uses and you know can produce over 50,000 products just alone. So it's very important to make sure that those who are not just uh, in charge of making decisions, but those who are, as you said, the activists and the influencers, that they are using the right information to help convince the quarters that they need to help convince of what is scientific and what's science-based. What is your call to action for anyone who wants to get involved in the cannabis industry and wants to make a difference? I think there are three things, maybe two or three things that could happen. Number one, African countries that have legalized need to deploy state resources toward this because they're going to benefit from excise tax. That's an export tax every time a shipment goes out like they do with other commodities. They can treat it as a tax generating asset from that standpoint. They're going to benefit reputationally. There's all sorts of implications for tourism. All you have to do is ask the Jamaicans. And so there's implications for that. There's implications to jump on the other side and develop uh, more control in the agribusiness industry in terms of seeds, developing a seed bank and further exploring the biotech behind the plant. I would say the second thing that, and I'm really focused on the public sector, I think the second thing that should happen is that the plant should be among other plants, not just cannabis, but I think that should be taught in school. I think it should be taught at two levels, at the uh, primary level and at the secondary level, that it's important to the economy, that it's important from a healthcare standpoint. And then I think at the university level, there ought to be competitions in terms of innovations beyond cultivation. What else can be done from a medical standpoint with cannabis? What can be done from a nutrition standpoint? What can be done, can it be added to uh, sunscreen? What would be the effect of that? So that forces the entrepreneurs 
in the business side to collaborate with laboratories in science. So you get your chemistry department at a university, they have their own mandate, and then you have a business school in the University of Legon or Unilag in Lagos or WITS or UCT Stellenbosch, and you put these two together and you get an explosive alchemy that could really unlock uh, a lot of value and develop some patents that could be held right here on the continent that we could license to the rest of the world. Yeah, and then I would say as a strategy to address those that are dead set against the legislation, I think having platforms where you discuss the medicinal impact of cannabis, those are things that you could all do these things within the next 30 days. These are things you can plan. You could have a cannabis roundtable at the University of Namibia next week because all it is is discussion. You could have a speaker come in, a speaker series. I mean, the banks, really. I think anyone that's a leader on the subject could come and give a talk to banks. And I think the banks would scramble. And if the banks go to government and say, no, 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 no. We need this because we can see that we can put a lot of capital behind this. And this is an asset that can generate future cash flows and iterations of future cash flows as we learn to unlock different aspects of the plant. And I, I think it's education, education, education with kind of the agenda of initiating business, initiating research, um, and owning the intellectual property. And for African leaders, presidents, and that sort of thing, it's don't let someone else own the IP to what is grown in your own house. That would be my call to action. Deploy state resources. Phenomenal. Get yeah. cannabis talking. Let's talk about it in the schools. And at the university level, let's have some business cases. Let's have some pitch competitions. Let's get our chemistry departments to work with our business schools. And then let's get our leaders educated. And then the banks, the healthcare, the pharmaceutical companies, let's get them all around the table. And there used to be a song by Salt and Pepper, the DJ and the hip hop singer in New York. And the song was, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that can be. So let's just talk. Talk uh, is free and it doesn't hurt anyone to have a conversation. So let's not be afraid of the future. Yes. That's amazing. Research and engagement. Get to know your cannabis and engage about it. Talk about it. Let everyone know your opinion about it and what it really is. I love that. Forrest, what are your social media handles? Where can people find you on social media? Oh my goodness. I am Forrest Branch on Facebook. There's three Forrest Branches, one from California, one from New York, and one that's in Africa. I'm the one in Africa, but I have another company, which is a milling company that we're building up in uh, Kolwezi, Democratic Republic of Congo, where we buy seed from local farmers and mill it, package it, distribute it, etc. And we want to build a huge foods industry there. And it's also another country. They have legalized it on a case-by-case -case basis. So they don't have national legalization yet, but they there are companies there that have specific licenses to cultivate cannabis there. So Colagri is K-O-L Agri on Facebook. So you can find me at Colagri. You can send me a message there. I also have a handle on Twitter called SME Mentor Africa. SME, small, medium enterprise, mentor as in a guide or a coach, Africa, SME, Mentor Africa. And then you can always email me at fpbranch at afrohelios.com. 
Thank you so much for this uh, conversation, Forrest. I think I've learned and, and our listeners have also learned quite a lot about agribusiness and where Africa should be going in terms of getting the cannabis industry right and making it a sustainable GDP generating, growth generating industry. And a big thank you to you for coming onto the show. And to everyone who's listening, remember to like, comment, and subscribe to the New Age Cannabis Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, y'all. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit at the New Age Canna PC. And watch the whole conversation on YouTube.